Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, and it's time for a tradition unlike any other on the First and Ten Podcast. Talk about Ohio State for way too long. There are a few things we can do better than talk about Ohio State of this program. We do it a lot, and for good reason, because they win a lot of games and they are, well, the Big Ten's flagship program. I think it goes without saying. It's Ohio State football. It it really is just another level. But uh we're previewing Ohio State today um, and just Ohio State. I know in the last episode we said we were going to do Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State ran a little long, so we did a Penn State preview all by itself. Um, so today we're doing just the Buckeyes. And here to break it down with me is somebody who knows more about Ohio State football than most people know about anything. That's Reed Murray. What's going on, Reed? Howdy. Um, if you watch on YouTube, <laughs> you can see I've got a pretty cool cowboy hat on right now. I'm not going to get into how I obtained or why I obtained this cowboy hat but a little secrecy I have it on because quite frankly I just got out of the shower didn't really want to do my hair was going to put on a hat and decide you know what let's go a little not quite I, I guess festive is not the right word but let's get a little funky with it not just put on a regular uh like ball cap so we're going cowboy hat we're going western for tonight and and you know better than anybody that Ohio State has dipped their toes into Texas a lot in the recruiting trail. Uh, guys like, um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quinn Ewers, all Texas boys. Um, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, another Texas guy. Um, yeah, they're no stranger to recruiting in Texas. And uh, Reed Murray is no stranger to rooting and tooting in Texas. So uh, he's got the cowboy hat. He's ready to go. And we're going to talk Ohio State. I'm a little bit of a stranger. I've only been to Texas once, but – I've definitely cheered for a lot of people who come from Texas. Also, yeah, and uh, people of Texas are no stranger to the scarlet and gray. So, uh, Reed's got the cowboy hat, and I've got a lot to say about Ohio State football, as does he. So, let's get into it. Ohio State, a season ago, undefeated in the regular season, champions of the Big Ten. Uh, after the rules got changed for them to put them into the Big Ten championship game, they defeated Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. They defeat Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, destroy Clemson. One of the most fun podcasts we've ever had. I don't know if I've ever seen Reed happier uh, than on that night. I don't know if I've ever been happier. The, I the think look, seen my <laughs> The look on his face um, when, when we recorded that podcast. When I the opened, look on my face before we, I mean, that was, there was a solid like half When I opened that Zoom link, he was just... Time. He was just grinning ear to ear. Like, I don't think it, it came off his face for a second. And, and the... It, it felt like relief. And I think this is how a lot of Ohio state fans felt after this game was relief. You know, Clemson was really the monkey on their back that they couldn't shake um, for years and years and years. Ohio state just couldn't beat Clemson. Um, they, that was really the, the thing this decade that held Ohio state back, you know, beyond some off the field stuff that, that got them in the early part of the decade, but Ohio state's one big bugaboo this decade was Clemson. Um and, and watching Justin Fields throw for six touchdowns on what looked to be broken ribs, um, that was incredible. That was one of the, uh, the best performances I've ever seen uh, from, from a team in, in the playoff era, just going out and dominating a team that everybody said was going to beat them. Um, but they did lose the national championship. Um, they had some injury issues going to that game, but Alabama, let's be real, frankly outplayed them. I mean, there were there were times when we saw tough Borland matched on to Devontae Smith. That is uh, not a sign that your game plan is going well. Um, and it didn't go well. And Ohio State lost that game, and it wasn't particularly close for most of it. But uh, a lot of guys gone, a lot of changes this year for Ohio State, You know, losing some big contributors, uh, guys like Wyatt Davis, Justin Fields, um, 
know, gone. So uh, a lot of new faces for Ohio State, but one thing that you never really have to worry about with Ohio State football is talent. You know that every time that that they lose somebody, there's always somebody just as good. There's always another five-star waiting in the wings. And uh, this year is no exception. Uh, Ohio State is replacing a lot of talented players, a lot of key guys uh, on both sides of the ball. But there's no reason to believe that there should be much of a step down in quality read. So, you know, while there are a lot of guys missing on this roster from last year and, and the season before, um, which newcomer or new starter do you think is going to make the biggest impact uh, from week one? I like Taraja Mitchell at the linebacker position. You look at this linebacking core, three new starters this year. They lost a lot last season. Um, Pete Werner, Tuff Borland, um, Baron Browning. So lots of new guys coming in. Mitchell, he's been at this team. He's I've seen him on social media and in videos and interviews. He's clearly a leader. Um, just a, I mean, leader is just the best way to describe him. The way he carries himself, you can tell that the rest of the guys look up to him. He is a captain on the team as well for good reason. I really like him. I haven't seen him play as much um, as some of the other guys on the team just because he hasn't been a starter, and that linebacking core um, has been pretty solidified for the last few years. But like I said, clear leader. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's been at this program for three, four years now. Um, he has a good feel for what this defense is about. And he can bring up the younger guys, uh, like you said, four and five star waiting in the wings. I really like him coming into this defense um, and just continuing the tradition of, of what an Ohio State defense is. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about a, a guy on offense and a guy on defense. I think on, on defense, somebody I want to talk about is Zach Harrison. And, you know, he's a guy who we've been talking about for two or three years now at this point. But, um, you know, big time recruit and uh Defensive end is one of Ohio State's specialties, and they have plenty of specialties, but um, defensive end and defensive line, they churn out first round draft picks, you know, like year after year after year. So um, Zach Harrison, by all accounts, is the next guy in line for that. And while we haven't seen him play a ton, and it feels like we've been talking about him forever, he still does have some something to prove, I think. And uh, he's going to have opportunities this year because I think, you know, he, he is looking at this defensive line. Um, he's not the guy on the defensive line going to the season for me. I still think Tyreek Smith and Haskell Garrett are going to get the bulk of the attention, at least early in the season, which I think is going to free up uh, Zach Harrison, who, who didn't start last year, by the way. Um, I think it's going to free him up a little bit. And I think he's going to just have a couple crazy games early in the season before teams start, you know, devoting more attention to him, which then frees up Haskell Garrett and it frees up Tyreek Smith. Um, this defensive line is going to be a nightmare to play against. And uh, when was the last time we didn't say that about Ohio State, in all honesty? But the other guy I want to talk about is C.J. Stroud, who has got some big shoes to fill replacing Justin Fields. But, you know, the lineage of quarterbacks we've seen at Ohio State the last few years, Dwayne Haskins, J.T. Barrett, Justin Fields, uh, Cardale Jones, you know, even back to, to the start of the playoff era, start of the Urban Meyer era, uh, Braxton Miller. They've been solid at quarterback no matter what. And I have no reason to doubt that CJ Stroud is not going to be the next guy. You know, looking at the film on him, he's a big, strong quarterback. He can move a little bit, but his pocket presence, he's got the aura of a veteran. He he feels more experienced than he is. He hasn't really played much college football at all. He did play in that Michigan State game. He had the big run um, last season, but he feels like a calm, collected veteran. And I think that's what Ohio State needs. Uh Early in the season, they're going to be breaking in some younger players. And he's, I think, going to 
make an impact on this team from the get-go. Obviously, being the starting quarterback, you're, you're going to no matter what, but there's no reason to believe that he should be much of a downgrade, if a downgrade at all, from what we saw from Justin Fields last year. And I know Justin Fields has elite playmaking ability and 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 just talent out <laughs> of an insane degree, but when you couple the elite talent of C.J. Stroud, which he is an elite talent, and I know a lot of people want to talk about Quinn Ewers, who we can probably get to in a little bit, but C.J. Stroud is the quarterback of this team right now, and there's no reason to believe that uh, he won't be anything except for a success when you look at the guys he's going to be throwing the football to because this group of receivers, and I know I, I keep puffing all this smoke about how great Ohio State is, but but it's because they are. This group of receivers, and it isn't just us saying that as as analysts or, or whatever, the, the guys on the podcast, coaches are saying this. P.J. Fleck, Minnesota, Ohio State's week one opponent, is saying this. This group of receivers at Ohio State is special, is all-time great. And if C.J. Stroud's thrown to those guys, there's no reason why he can't be an outstanding success from the get-go. Yeah, so for C.J. Stroud, um, if you look at Heisman odds right now, C.J. Stroud, he has never attempted a pass in college. Um, and if you look at Heisman odds, he is currently in the top 10. Some people have him in the top five for preseason Heisman odds, which is pretty unbelievable. And that just kind of goes to show what it means to be the Ohio State quarterback that before you've even thrown a single pass at the FBS level, you're already projected uh, to be a late season contender for the Heisman. And just insert Ohio State quarterback here can always be at that level. But you look at his supporting cast and it's unbelievable. Like you said, the wide receivers, this is one of the best wide receiving cores I've ever seen. Um, it's comparable to a couple wide receiving cores we've seen from Alabama in recent years. But it's pretty difficult to compete with a team whose top three is Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's pretty unbelievable. Then you go to the O-line. I love this O-line. Thayer Mumford, Harry Miller, Paris Johnson Jr., Nicholas Petitfair, Luke Weipler. Luke Weipler is the only lesser experienced kind of guy. These, the rest of the O-line all been there for a couple of years now. They've all proven themselves to be solid O-linemen. Of course, they lost Wyatt Davis um, this offseason. But this, these are four experienced veteran college linemen who I put a lot of faith in. So C.J. Stroud, and of course, he's such a mobile quarterback as well. He hasn't attempted a pass yet in college, but he has had a few runs. Of course, he had that, like you said, mentioned earlier, the long run against Michigan State. An Ohio State quarterback is typically – uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins wasn't a super mobile quarterback. We look at Justin Fields, JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, all the way back into Terrell Pryor. Lots of mobile quarterbacks that can get it done on the ground. And honestly, I'm not saying CJ Shot is a bad arm, but you don't even need to have that great of an arm to get great passing stats when you have this core of receivers. So I love CJ Shot at quarterback. And if you look at the spring game, if you watch that, you could just tell there were there were some other he was competing with some other quarterbacks. Um, but CJ Stroud, the way, just the way he carried himself, the confidence he had, you could just tell he was the guy there were, there were, it was a, it was a three quarterback battle for that QB one spot, but you could just tell it was, it was Stroud's job to lose. He had so much confidence. He just had the model of an OSU quarterback before he was even given the title. I love number seven, CJ Stroud, a quarterback this season. Yeah, um, there's no reason to believe he won't be anything other than great because, I mean, we've seen it for however many years at this point. It, it's not a smart idea to bet against the Ohio State quarterback. And well, they have JT Barrett a couple of years ago. He came in, 
I remember, and of course I was a uh, much younger and less wise individual at this point. When JT Barrett were really playing at Ohio State, I was extremely worried. I know a lot of people were too, because Braxton Miller, um, he really had the potential to become the greatest OSU quarterback of all time. And he's still up there, but he never became that number one guy. And he definitely had that potential. So when his, when, when there was his loss, it was really unfortunate. It was a real gut punch to the Ohio State fan base. But JT Barrett came in. He's got little experience as a college quarterback. And he, was, he didn't shine too much against Navy. He had a rough game against Virginia Tech. But after that, he was fantastic. And that's just what you get from an Ohio State quarterback. You look at, you look at that first season from Barrett. Young guy, I think he might have been a true freshman that season. He was definitely either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. He comes in. The fact that he was able to be a quarterback at Ohio State just says enough about him um, and the talent he had. So it's the same situation as Stroud. People are going to say, oh, Ohio State might drop off this year. They don't have Justin Fields anymore. And granted, Justin Fields is one of the best Ohio State quarterbacks of all time. You can make the case for the best. But I really think anybody who's in this quarterback room can step in and take this team to a Big Ten championship and win it comfortably. Yeah, and one guy in this quarterback room I do want to talk about a little bit. I don't think we're going to see him play a snap this year, but he just enrolled a week or two ago, kind of out of nowhere, and that was Quinn Ewers, the the guy who was listed as the number one overall prospect in the nation in 2022. Some are saying he's the best quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence. Um, He reclassified 2021 recruit now. Um, He probably won't play a snap this season. I think he's mostly on campus, at least from my understanding, to learn and to, to kind of soak in the college game and become a smarter, better quarterback, and maybe even get to the NFL sooner. Um, this is a guy who I think could be a legendary quarterback for Ohio State. Um, and, uh, you know, another guy coming out of the state of Texas, a uh, place Ohio State is no stranger to recruiting. I don't know if he's going to be the starter this year or next year. It's kind of tough. If, if this team goes undefeated, like, spoiler alert, I'm expecting, it's tough to, you know, unseat an undefeated quarterback and C.J. Stroud, but – Quinn Ewers has the talent and every quarterback on this roster has the talent to be, to be very good, but Quinn Ewers could have all-time talent, number one overall pick talent. I don't know what this quarterback battle is going to look like uh, at some point, but Quinn Ewers is going to be a factor. Maybe not now, but at some point, definitely not this season. Next year, keep an eye out. Um, But that's next year. And we're not here to talk about 2022. We're here to talk about 2021. So um, we're actually not going to run through the schedule like we did on, on most of the episodes. Um, we both think Ohio State is going undefeated in the regular season um, and going to the Big Ten championship game. So, Reed, which games do you think Ohio State has the best chance uh, of losing? Which games are the most important on the schedule to you? Because there's three that stand out to me. But to you, you know, beyond the, the game in the last week of the season, um, in the fourth Saturday in November, which is important for very different reasons, which games are going to make or break this season for Ohio State? I would say there's a chunk of games in the midseason. It goes Maryland at home, Indiana away, Penn State at home, um, all right back to back to back. Those three games are the ones that have me concerned because obviously Ohio State can lose any given week. And obviously there's Oregon on the schedule. Oregon's a big name. I don't actually think they're as good as they're being made up to be. But Oregon is a big name, and they obviously could drop that game. I don't see it happening. Ohio State's going to bring their best. Um, it's a home game. Lots in their favor there. But I think that Maryland, Indiana, Penn State, that one worries me because Maryland, and we're going to talk about them later in, in another episode, 
and we've talked about the support program on the rise. They've got a lot of great recruits coming in, a lot of great recruits maturing. Um, you know, Tagovailoa and Jarrett, namely, going into their second year, having some experience under their belts. So, and Maryland's given Ohio State trouble before, even when Maryland was um, a pretty poor team in terms of their record. There was that one instance where they lost to Ohio State by one point on a failed two-point conversion. So Maryland only things up in a heartbeat against Ohio State should be a high-scoring offense. So that concerns me, especially because the Ohio State secondary and and I wanted to go back and talk about the defense in a little bit, but the Ohio State secondary is a concern of mine. At Indiana, I shouldn't have to do much. Indiana obviously going to be Ohio State's one of Ohio State's biggest contenders or Ohio State's biggest challengers. They're contending for uh, Big East championship or Big Ten East championship this year. Obviously talented roster, terrific defense, terrific quarterback, um, and some pretty solid receivers go along with it. So Indiana has me concerned for reasons I shouldn't really have to explain. It's an away game. It's going to be one of the biggest games in Indiana football history. So, of course, the crowd's going to get up for it. And then Penn State, obviously because it's Penn State. Ohio State has not lost to Penn State at home in a long, long time. But I've lost to Penn State in the last five years, um, or I guess it would probably be in the last six years this year. Uh, because it was 2016, whatever. Um, but Penn State, obviously uh, a game that's, depending on what you consider a rivalry, you could call it a rivalry game. It is on Halloween weekend. It's always kind of funky. The two teams always play each other close. Um, the, and even last year when I think Ohio State was a pretty clear better team than Penn State, Penn State did keep it close for a little bit. So, those are the three that have me the most concerned. I'm not, I'm not very scared for Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers. This should be three pretty easy wins. I'm not very concerned about at Minnesota either. I think Ohio State should score um, a gazillion points in that one going up against the Minnesota defense. At Nebraska, I've already had my Nebraska slander session. I'm not very worried about that one. Purdue, Purdue and Michigan State, two teams like, you know, you, you can say that they, it might be a, well, it's not quite a trap game because it's not in between two uh, tough games, but obviously Ohio State has been prone to losing games they shouldn't in the past. Not in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, in Columbus, though, I can't see it happening. I can't see Purdue coming away with a win here. And then Michigan, again, crazy things happen in college football, and of course it's a rivalry, so it isn't a rivalry game, but again, Ohio State, clear better team than Michigan on paper, and even when Ohio State's not the better team on paper, in, in a couple recent occasions, Ohio State has come away with the win. So I have pretty full faith that Ohio State will win that one as well. It's really Maryland, Indiana, Penn State that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, that's an interesting stretch of games against teams who I expect you know to be two, three, and four in the Big Ten East um, in my preseason rankings. But um, I don't see Ohio State dropping any of those. I think Indiana is going to be the closest. I think Indiana has a really good shot to win that game, better shot than they've had ever in the last 30 years. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, just, just looking at it from an objective standpoint, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten by far. Um, I, I don't think it's particularly close. They just have a, a level of talent that that you don't see on anybody else's roster. And, and the only teams who can really compete are Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. Um, and Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. I don't even know if Oklahoma can, because I don't know if they're as talented on the defensive side of the ball as Ohio State. But, um, yeah, uh, 
the question is not, is this team college football playoff good? Because they are. They're good enough to make the college football playoff. That is the standard in Columbus. The question is, can this team win the national championship? And my answer to that is probably not. You know, you know what wins a national championship, I think, is, is not just talent, but experience. Um, and they are lacking a little bit of experience at some of these positions. They certainly have the talent, and I think they have the coaching, too. They have an excellent coaching staff. Ryan Day has still not lost a regular season game, for those of you keeping track at home. Um, but I just think that this season, Clemson and Oklahoma have a lot of uh, Oklahoma, the offensive side of the ball and Oklahoma has a competent defense this season. And I think Clemson returns just about everybody except Trevor Lawrence and ETN. Um, those two teams and whoever wins the SEC between Alabama and Georgia, or if somebody else somehow wins the SEC have a level of depth and a level of experience that I don't know if Ohio State has this year. Next year, different story. I think this 2022 Ohio State team could go into the season as the national championship favorite. 2021, I don't know. Um, if they brought back, say, if say this was going to be Justin Fields last year at Ohio State, um, nothing against C.J. Stroud, but if they had a Justin Fields on this roster or if they had a Chase Young on this roster – or even if they had a J.K. Dobbins on this roster, I think that this team could definitely, you know, be a national champion. But it feels like they're just a little bit away from reaching that level. And obviously anything can happen in the playoff, but I think what's going to happen is they're going to make the playoff and they're probably going to lose to a Clemson or a Georgia or an OU. Yeah, I hate to agree with you on that point about losing to Clemson, but I could totally see it that for another year we face Clemson in the playoff. And I do think if those two teams were to meet the season, Clemson would be victorious. Um, they're just – this Clemson team has me worried. I really love their quarterback. Like you said, they're returning so much production. Ohio State's returning a good bit of production too, but you look at the defensive side of the ball, three new linebackers. Um, they've got to replace two solid D-linemen. I want to get to the D-line in a second. Um, the cornerback situation isn't terrific. But like I said about this D-line, Look, 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 and you were making this point earlier. I would argue, I would say this is the best D-line in the Big Ten. I would argue that they're the best D-line in the country. And this is a D-line that's replacing Tommy Togiai and Jonathan Cooper. How unbelievable is that, that a team losing those two players? I still can't believe, I can't believe Haskell, I can't believe Haskell Garrett's back. That's, that's gigantic. Yeah, that's such a huge gain for them. But especially the defensive ends. You have Haskell Garrett and Vincent Theron as defensive tackles, two terrific players who are going to make a huge impact. Let's look at the defensive ends here. You were talking about Zach Harrison. I actually would disagree with you. I actually think he's going to get the most hype at the defensive end position just because he was such a highly recruited player. He was such a huge recruit coming out of the state of Ohio. Um, so kind of a bigger name player. I think he'll get more attention than Tyreek Smith. But Tyreek Smith has been – in this program for a long time last season he had a terrific sugar bowl against clemson and he's he's made a name for himself here and there he's had some big performances but consistently he hasn't been the game-changing player that he might have hoped mainly just because he's been playing behind uh, some terrific players chase young it's hard to get your name out there when you're on the same team as chase young so this season could be a huge coming out year for him and like I said, let's look at the depth here. Tyler Friday is not starting for Ohio State. I don't think there's many DLNs in the country Tyler Friday doesn't start for. Javante Jean-Baptiste, who in FBS football is he not starting for? 
Even look at even look at the freshmen. Look at you know JT. I'm gonna botch his name. JT Tuamalo, the the guy out of, out of the state of Washington, five star. Jack Sawyer, five star. Those guys aren't starting. They're they're probably not gonna play. Yeah, Jack Sawyer. He could be. I see him being sort of like what Nick Bosa was in his first year, where he doesn't get very much playing time, but the mm-hmm. few times he does get in, he just looks really bright. Yeah, against against like a Tulsa or an Akron oh, or totally, Rutgers yeah. or. Or a game like Every that. Now and, then he's gonna come yeah. in. and it's going to be hard for O-lines to prepare for a D-line when you have so many great options. I mean, Jack Sawyer, he, I mean, he, he's got no time. He's got no experience in college football. But like I said, I think he's going to come in and have a pretty instant impact, um, not as a starter, but when he comes off the bench here and there and in, in, in small, you know, in, in maybe special teams, moderation, he will look fantastic. And it's going to be so hard for opposing offensive lines to prepare for a team who has five terrific defensive ends. That's got to be insane. Most teams are lucky to have one. Yeah. When a team has so many players of that caliber, I cannot imagine being an opposing coach. I would be so worried about having Ohio State in my schedule. And, and it's just great. We're just so lucky to have a full season of Big Ten football because even – with what I just said about it would be so difficult to prepare for an Ohio State game, Ohio State still plays some pretty good opponents. I mean, we we get we didn't really get games like Ohio State Oregon last season, and we're just so lucky to have that. Plus the Indiana game, it's just amazing that Indiana is becoming the team they are in this era of football. You're telling me, here's <laughs> Indiana team play against Ohio State. Um, it's just a thing of beauty to have. It's going to be a real matchup of giants, I think. And it's probably not going to get, it's going to get a lot of national spotlight. Don't get me wrong. It's probably not going to get the spot deserves just Indiana. It's called Indiana. If it was, I think it was the exact same in a roster, but wearing blue jerseys and white helmets and pants, it would be different. Mm-hmm. Or even blue and maize. Yeah, definitely. If it were maize and blue, but um, yeah, the Ohio state D line really, really would scare me as an opponent but the thing that scares me is in ohio state is the secondary um sean wade last season we had several several complaints about him he's still a big name and he's still going to be gone so seven banks is really the most experienced um number one guy at the cornerback position and that worries me because you look at his performances in the sugar bowl and the national championship and it wasn't too impressive now of course He's had time. To, he's got a whole other offseason, and he's becoming an older player. He's going to have experience in his team. He will have been there for a while. So, of course, there's there's time for him to develop. He could come out and be one of the best cornerbacks in the nation because that is what Ohio State does. They develop elite players in the secondary. But so far, he hasn't shown me that. Cameron Brown, out last season with injury. I actually think that Ryan Watts, number 16, I like what I've seen uh, in some tape of him. I think he could come in and become a starting quarterback on this team especially if Brown doesn't return from that injury well, I think Ryan Watts could make a name for himself. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited for Josh Proctor. I think he's a great player. And I am going to miss one thing. See, this is what I was saying. I I, I like the linebacking group. I think Cody Simon, Ronnie Hickman, of course, these aren't names that Ohio State fans uh, that that have become household names in the state of Ohio. I think they're going to do – they're going to do just fine. I really do wish that Ohio State still had Justin Hilliard, though. He's a name. You look at the departures for this team. Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, obviously. Wyatt Davis, Baron Browning, Tommy Togiai. These are the big names you think of. But Justin Hilliard at the linebacker position, late in the season especially, 
throughout his his last two seasons at Ohio State, he's been a consistent um, producer. But late in the season last year, especially um, in the postseason, he was terrific. And he was one of the biggest things keeping this defense together and being able to stop the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. I think it would have done him really well for his draft stock and his future pro career to stay one more season at Ohio State. And it is pretty unfortunate that he is gone. I think if this defense had Hilliard, I would be much more confident. Because like I said, I like this linebacker core. I definitely love Taraja Mitchell as a leader and a player. I think he's going to lead Simon and Hickman well. I would love, though, to have Hilliard. And he is a, he's, he's a great linebacker when it comes to stopping the run and stopping the pass. So I think adding him to the pass defense would be it'd be terrific. But so it's, it's a shame they don't have him. So the defense, it's elite D-line, questionable. It's hard to say at, at the linebacker position because, like we said, they, had, they don't have a lot of experience at the FBS level, don't have a lot of experience at the Big Ten level. So it, kind of a question mark there. And then a much more um, lackluster, I guess, secondary. So I guess a team that has um, great wide receivers like Indiana, that's part of why the Indiana game concerns me so much is because their passing game is going to be great. Um, they could be the one. I think that's, that's why I would say if anyone is going to take Ohio State down, it'll be Indiana or Maryland. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Penn State or Oregon have as good of a chance as Maryland or Indiana do because – it's, it's concerning, the secondary. Compared to the rest of the team, compared to a team where almost every unit is elite, this secondary is a cause for concern. And, and another question mark that I want to ask you about, the running back position. Um, it's this not is what we're talking about, yeah. About, uh, it's not a concern about a lack of depth. It's more of a concern about who in this depth chart is going to step up, be the starter, be the guy who's going to get it done. Who do you see in this running back core as the number one? So I think week one, there's pretty much no doubt the starter is going to be Master Teague. He played a bunch last season. He was the starter at points last season um, until Trey oh, Sermon. Trey Sermon, he was the starter. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So until Trey Sermon really took over towards the end of the season and had some of, I mean, some of the best games I've ever seen uh, from, from, from a college running back. That Big Ten championship game was, was legendary. And he was um, a was game a, changer in the Sugar Bowl, too. The passing yeah. attack is great. But he was a game changer. The passing the offense was truly threat when the offense isn't as open for Justin Fields if Trey Sermon wasn't like that. They don't beat Clemson without Trey Sermon. I don't even think you know even a even a, an average J.K. Dobbins game uh, doesn't win you the Big Ten or win you the Sugar Bowl. I think Trey Sermon was just on another level for that for that stretch of time, and he was hurt for the national championship though. Um, did he get hurt in that game or was it before? I can't it was remember. Early. Early on, early yeah, game. it was like maybe yeah, like second snap of the game, first or second drive, yeah, on. something like that. Um, it's been a few months, uh, <laughs> but Teague's gonna be the starter week one. But the question is, is Teague gonna be able to hold off Mayan Williams, who I like, but I don't, I don't love Mayan Williams. I don't think he's, I think he's a very good running back. I mean, he's you know good enough to play at Ohio State and be in the conversation for the starting job. But I don't know if he's that game-changing running back that that Ohio State wants and needs, like we saw from Trey Sermon at points last year, and like we saw for years with J.K. Dobbins and even Mike Weber and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So, um, yeah, I don't know if if Mayan Williams is going to be the guy, but the guy who I do think by the end of the season, this is one of my takes. By the end of the season, in my opinion, Travion Henderson is going to be the starting running back for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, this is a guy you watch his high school tape. He's incredible. Uh, he, just, he just jumps off the page as you. 
it, it's one of those things when you watch his high school tape, you can just tell he is bigger, stronger, faster, and better at football than every other player around him. Uh, and those are the types of guys who succeed at the Big Ten level, the guys who just stand out and are obvious stars in the making. And I, I think Travion Henderson is that type of player. So as a freshman, it's kind of tough, you know, to, to know, is he going to be playing? But the, the Ohio State coaching staff is not afraid to play freshmen. They, they are going to play who is the best. And that's one thing we've seen from them. They're going to play the best player no matter what. It doesn't matter how old they are. Uh, they're going to play the best players. Um, and by the end of the season, I think that's going to be Travion Henderson. And I do think he'll get snaps early. I think even like what we saw from J.K. Dobbins in 2017, where he was taking you know serious snaps in that Indiana game week one, 2017, the Thursday night game in Bloomington. Uh, while Mike Weber was the starter, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Mike Weber started that 2017 season. By the end of the year, J.K. Dobbins was the running back. Um, I actually do believe I don't, I, I think Weber might have been hurt for the Indiana game, but Dobbins started against Indiana to start that season. Did he? Okay, yeah. So then maybe by week, maybe by week two, Weber was the starter. Um, and it's been four years, but um, all I know is that Mike Weber ended up getting usurped by jk dobbins and jk dobbins held that job for for three years yeah as a true freshman jk dobbins was the starting running back i think we see something similar uh by the end of the year here with with travion henderson i think he's that type of running back i see what you're saying i kind of agree and it's it's hard to say for travion henderson just because we haven't seen him play against fbs competition so and and of course you can talk all you want about the high school team but the end of the day high school is high school and big 10 is big 10 so it's a little bit hard to make that distinction, but I like what you're saying there because I would agree that Master Teague, he is a great short yardage running back, and I think he's going to get a solid number of touchdowns this season because he'll be in the um, goal line offense, or at least he would be if I was running the team. But I, I, I like what you're saying there about Henderson. I think he, he could be pretty similar to what J.K. Dobbins did his true freshman year, and Henderson seems to be a more complete running back, whereas Teague is... Um, just kind of more of a muscle kind of running back. He'll just, he'll grind it out with you in short yardage, but he's not quite, he's not really the guy who's going to turn a, a five yard run into a 50 yard run and just kind of change the game in that way. So I probably would, unless Henderson isn't there yet, I probably would do the same thing. Eventually later in the season, have Henderson be the number one running back. However, I do know Ryan day and I know that he has a lot of faith in Master Teague. We saw it last season. Um, early in the year, he was he had a little less faith, faith in Sermon than he probably should have. And granted, Sermon really didn't turn it on until that Michigan State game, and then especially in the Northwestern game. But early on, Teague was the number one in, in the opening in the opening game against Nebraska, and he got much uh, he got a much higher number of touches early in the season. So I think it could be a similar situation where no matter what we would considered to be the right move Teague may just inevitably be that number one running back no matter what but the thing I do like I love the fact that it's a good running back rotation because even last year in the Sugar Bowl Trey Sermon's going off Teague's getting in now and then and then Mike Williams is still getting some good carries I love having a running back room this deep I actually it, it kind of disappointed me Steel Chambers moving into linebacker he's not a running back anymore and I liked I thought he had a bright future ahead of him He's now playing at the linebacker position, probably just because there's so much running back depth. Um, but he was able to get some good carries in the last two seasons. So I like that everybody um, at the running back position 
can get in and do a good job. I love mine Williams um, as a number two or number three back. Like I, like you were saying, I agree with you. Williams, not quite the game changing kind of player. He is a little tall for a running back or at least a little short, um, but he can definitely make an impact, especially when the running back gets tired. Stroud can't run every single play. Williams is going to come in. He's going to give you a different look than you're going to get from Henderson or Teague. It's good to have people who are different models of players um, going up, especially a defense like Indiana. You want to throw a lot of different looks at him. You want to get all everybody um, in your depth at wide receiver. You want to give them all looks. You want to give all your good running backs. You want to throw tons of different looks at Indiana. So I think it's, it's just terrific to have a team with the depth that this Ohio State team does. Yeah, I mean, it's Ohio State. I think it goes without saying that they're going to be talented everywhere. Um, and the depth is young, too. Uh, a lot of these guys are going to be here for another year or two. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out this season, next season, and, and beyond. Uh, Reed, any more thoughts on Ohio State before we wrap up? I'm just going to say this is going to be the last season we're going to see Chris Olave and the Scarlet and Gray, which is Tragic. most likely going to be the last season we see Garrett Wilson as well. Obviously he can stay for another year. This is his mm -hmm. junior year, but he is most likely going to be a top 10. Olave could stay too, technically, but he won't. That's true. Neither of them will stay. Because last year's eligibility. The COVID year. But yeah. Yeah. Nobody's staying. Olave yeah. Going to be gone. So as you were saying, the depth is young. There's a lot to look forward to in the future. Stroud, probably not going to go to the draft unless he has an unbelievable season and it's just the best thing. Since he also he also can't go to the draft. He's going to be in his oh, second sure. year. He'll have to wait a year. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, depth is young. Lots of good young depth coming in. There's guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming who have been here for a year. They will have been here for two years um, the next season, and they will have gotten a few snaps. So lots of great young depth. Ohio State is a team you can really – they're going to be great now, and I think they're going to go undefeated and win the Big Ten. They're going to be a great team now. They can take it to the next level in the future. I just worry, though, without Olave and Wilson in the future, obviously terrific wide receiver depth, terrific talent, but those two guys, even people who are not Big Ten biased, the people who um, are huge fans of Alabama or other SEC teams are not really super involved in the Big Ten – Throughout the country, it's almost unanimous that everyone's saying Olave and Wilson is the best wide receiver duo in the country, and it's for good reason. Um, I worry when they don't have two players of that absolute elite, um, potentially, I don't want to say they're Heisman contenders because it's, you know, we had a wide receiver in the Heisman last year. It's pretty rare that that happens, but two just clear best in the nation talents, it does worry me in the future that they're not going to be there. Mm hmm. Uh, I'm not worried about the receiver position for Ohio State. I think it's going to be good no matter what. They've uh, <laughs> they've got a little bit of talent on that team. I just really so that want to see twice. Chris Olave hoist that national championship trophy, and it worries me that that probably will never happen. Well, you know what? Even if I said that this team isn't really national championship good, it's still possible because it's Ohio State, and they are always sure. going to they're going to be playoff good. And if you can make the play, hey, if you're in the, the playoff, playoff then tell happen. me what happens. Anything can happen. What happened with right? Alabama? In 2000, was it 2018? 18. They were borderline, not in the playoff. They come in, they shock the 17, world. 17, 18, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Anything can happen. January of 18, yeah. 
they beat the pants off of Clemson. They did. Too. They made Clemson look like they had no business. They made one seed Clemson look like they had no business being in that playoff. And so then backup quarterback. If you to, make uh, it in, anything can happen. You're right. That's the game, man. That is the game. And that will do it for our Ohio State season preview. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the First and Ten Podcast, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. Bye.